0: Belong, become, believe. You're listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. The message from May 8th, 2022 is called Seeds, Soils, and Seasons. The speaker is John Ray, and the location is Clap Auditorium, Mount Sequoia in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Well, good morning, Ian. My name is John Ray. Welcome to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas. If you're listening on the podcast or watching on the live stream, we're really glad you're here. Um, Okay, kids, I got a question for you. What are these? Can you see? Seeds. Yes, exactly. You remember the seeds you got in your Easter bags? With that, did you get those planted? Anybody plant those yet? Right. So if you haven't planted them, are they going to grow?
1: Are these seeds going to grow? Well, What has to happen for them to grow, though? A lot of gardeners in here, you can tell <laughs> yes,
0: yeah, exactly, like they gotta come out of here first of all, but then they have to find a place where they're gonna where they're gonna grow soil, and we're gonna talk about parables today um in this way they're we start this week on a four-week journey, in a way, through Mark's parables. So I want to I take a little time before we start that by looking at, first of all, what is a parable anyway? Why did Jesus teach in parables? What do we learn from parables with that? And, and you know, you kind of start with what is the word parable. In the Greek, it literally means to throw something down alongside of something else. If you're going to look at something as a, as a parable, you, you put this one thing up against this other thing so that you can understand the thing. You lay them side by side. We get parallel parable from that Greek word with that. Um, it was interesting also, I... My my Twitter feed is a weird cultivation of various um, philosophers and theologians and people in the Christian space, and my friend uh, Shane Blackshear, who does this podcast called Seminary Dropout, which is really hoot to listen to. So if you're looking for a good podcast, Seminary Dropout with Shane Black- Blackshear. But he, he posted this on Twitter the other day. He said, we need a children's Bible for adults, a Reader's Digest version that could be read in a day and uh and I respond to him, I responded to him, I said, Oh, you mean parables- 'cause in a way what what parables do right is they make a very simple version of a bigger story. they're telling us a truth in kind of a condensed version, they're laying something alongside of this one thing to tell us this other thing, and so we also have to examine why did Jesus teach this way. Um, again, I was listening to an interesting conversation, um, and they were talking about how often we go to Paul as the theologian. We think of Jesus kind of as the teacher or the example or the the, the source, but but if we want to understand it, the theology of it, we go to the epistles. We go to Paul with this, and that really. The reason we do that, there's a lot of reasons. One, just because of the the Enlightenment and the the way that we think and our Western worldviews, the way we break things down scientifically and rationally. But really it does a tremendous disservice to Jesus as a theologian. That Jesus is quite capable of explaining his theology. It's just that he does it in a way that is, is foreign to our culture, our understanding. We want just this information given to us, broken down, categorized, systematized with this, Jesus didn't do that. He's a metaphorical theologian. And he tells his theology, he explains his theology, he delivers his theology, often in story. And again, in our our enlightened culture, we think, well, that's cute for the kiddos. That's sweet for the simple folk. But, you know, I want the big tome on systematic theology that lays it all out in scientific terms. And we have to let go of that, y'all. Like, we really have to let go of that. That bias against the truth that is expressed in story. And especially as we get into this. And, uh, and why is that? So, so we ask, well, first of all, like, why did Jesus, why did Jesus teach this way? And why is story so important in itself? Why, why, why do we need story? And, uh, and I'm going to give you a list of reasons right now. Uh, they fall under the idea of cognitive biases. Okay? So the reason why we need story is anchoring bias, availability heuristic, cognitive dissonance, confirmation bias, egocentric bias, extension neglect, false priors, framing effect, logical fallacy, Prospect theory, and my favorite, truthiness. And otherwise, another way of saying this is, we ain't as smart as we think we are. Is that we are all getting it wrong a lot. None of us thinks clearly. Listen, just stop and think about it. If the answer to the problems was just more information would we really be where we are right now
1: as a society, as a world? Just let that settle in for a minute.
0: If the answer to the problem was just stop doing that, start doing this. That's wrong, this is right. That's bad, this is good. Oh,
1: thank you. Now I shall do that. No, we are, i got to watch my language here. Um, We are a people who
0: just are in a world full of wrong thinking. And there's all kinds of ways to describe it, but the problem is we get it wrong a lot. And, And one of the reasons why we get it wrong is because of this tendency to think oh, if I just had more information,
1: I would get it. But
0: we don't because we're blind. We're blind to ourselves. And we have all these wrong ways of thinking. Uh, I want to recommend a book to you. Um, Alan Jacobs is an honors professor at Baylor, and he wrote this book, How to Think. and he, he goes through a lot of these ways why, why we come to the wrong conclusions with, even given the right information, we come to the wrong conclusion with that. And the reason why I go into all this is to, is to say that we need story. We need story to get around those confirmation biases, those cognitive behavioral roadblocks. That lead us when we when we hear something and the information may be right but we interpret it just wrong or we may even interpret it right but we don't find the the motivation to act on it. And story parable in a way helps get around that. It's not magic. It's not a magic formula. It doesn't always work, but it get it helps us get around those cognitive biases. So. Let's look at our our first parable, um, which is in Mark 4, starting in verse 1. Again, he, Jesus, began to teach by the lake. Such a large crowd gathered around him. that he got into the boat on the lake, and he sat there while the whole crowd was on the shore by the lake. He taught them many things in parables. So he's
1: using his teaching time to tell stories. And in his
0: teaching, he said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path. The birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on the rocky ground, where it did not have much soil. So it sprang up at once, because the soil was not deep. When the sun came up, it was scorched. And because it did not have sufficient root, it withered. Other seed fell among the thorns, and they grew up and choked it. It did not produce grain. But other seeds fell on good soil. And it produced grain, sprouting and growing, some yielding 30 times as much, some 60, and some 100 times. And he said, whoever has ears to hear had better listen. Now when he was all alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. And he said to them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but those outside, everything is parables. And then he goes on to quote this quote from Isaiah, which we studied a while back. So that although they look, they may not, they may look but not see, and although they hear, they may hear but not understand, so they may not repent and be forgiven. He said to them, don't you understand this parable? Then how will you understand any parable? The sower sows the word. These are the ones on the path where the word is sown. And whoever they, whenever they hear, immediately Satan comes and snatches the word that was sown in them. These are the ones sown on the rocky ground. As soon as they hear the word, they receive it with joy, but they have no root in themselves, and they do not endure. Then when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, immediately they fall away. Others are the ones sown among the thorns. They are the ones who hear the words, but the worldly cares, the seductiveness of wealth, the desire of other things, come in and choke the word, and it produces nothing. These are the ones sown on good soil. They hear the word and receive it and bear much fruit, 130 times as much, 160 and 100 so what we see quickly is parables are simple stories designed to illuminate a truth and invite us to act as a result of our encounter with it. Now, I want us to use our imaginations here for a minute, because again, even in this story, what, is, what happened has been condensed down. So more likely what happened was something like this, is Jesus got up and told the parable, and then he came back together, and then what happened?
1: What's it say? Yeah, they ask him about it.
0: So as we hear this parable, what comes to mind? Tell me. When you hear the parable, this is called the parable of the sower, the parable of the four soils. What do you observe? What do you hear in this story?
1: What's that? Every seed has potential. There's no lack in the seed, right? The seeds are all capable of bearing fruit. Very important. What else? What's that?
0: Nurturing is important. So there's an interesting thing. Oftentimes, I, a lot of the commentaries I wrote about this talk about the seed and the soil. But there's one essential element that most, at least the ones that I wrote, missed, but is implied here. And it's in the title of the sermon if you want to hear it.
1: Well, that,
0: that is important. But in this, there's an element here that's kind of taken for granted that goes along with nurturing. The season, exactly.
1: Roland has a phone. So he pulled it up.
0: Is this element of time? Is it that the seeds don't just immediately produce? They don't hit the ground and then produce fruit, right? There there is nurturing that needs to play. There's seasonality to this. This takes place, and in the people here, again, the original hearers who were all much more connected to the rhythms of the agrarian seasons and seasonality would understand that there's this third element. There's the seed, there's the soil, but there's also the seasons here. Now, Teresa, to your comment, what I find really interesting here is something else that I think would have been noticed here is that this sower doesn't seem to know what he's doing. Because you don't waste seed throwing it on the
1: road. You don't waste seed throwing it in where you know there's going to be a bunch of thorns. You don't waste seed
0: by throwing it on the rocky soil. That if you are a competent farmer, a competent sower of seed, the only place you are going to use your precious seed, because again, they're not going down to to Walmart or the co-op and buying seeds in a bag like I did. No, they're having to carefully cultivate that from last year's crop and they're going to have a limited amount and they're not going to go out and just throw it everywhere. <clears throat> they're going to put it only in the good soil. And this might have been the single most shocking thing to the hearers is why why would the sower do that? Why would the sower waste
1: seed On all these
0: soils. And that's what, once we get that, once we start to understand these elements like this, we start to go, oh,
1: oh, oh.
0: And maybe some things start to dawn on us that move us away from just, oh,
1: it's another nice story. So what are, what are we supposed to do with this This is the thing
0: this is the thing that, that now happens in the story is is Jesus is Jesus's teaching he's he's a, again he's a metaphorical theologian but he's also a practical theologian he's not giving information just for information's sake but he is declaring something, and he is inviting something. Every word of Jesus that comes to us is an invitation. It's an invitation to respond. It's an invitation to reflect. It's an invitation to do something with that. And so, as you hear this story, as you hear this story, and you, and you think about this, wait a minute. There, there's there's seeds everywhere. The seed, just like we said, like every seed has the ability to produce something in the seasonality of it that this needs nurturing. Like, what's our response to be? Because
1: I, I gotta tell you, I can't make seeds grow, I can plant them, I can shoot, get the soil ready. I can
0: water them. I can nurture them. But I can't make them grow. Which is a huge thing to accept here, right? Is that this fruit coming in the lives of the people is something that is being produced in them that originates from somewhere else. It's not just that I find it within myself or that it's due to my own creative capacity. No, it's something that I've received and that is nurtured, and then just is, in a way, it's a
1: miraculous springing forth with this. So what's my, what's our responsibility here? As we hear this?
0: And I am asking that as a discussion question, not as just a hanger there for me to answer. I mean, I do have an answer, but I really want to hear. Like, what is that? What do you think our responsibility is here with this? Exactly. It's like we don't get to choose in a way what seeds are planted, where they're planted, how they're planted. Our, Our choices, our volition here is how do we receive them?
1: And into what do we receive them? Pretty quickly,
0: I think we could understand that there's parts of our lives that are pretty hard, almost like asphalt. They become hard by neglect or hard by trauma, hard by abuse, hard by self-protection. But we've got some areas of our life that we have armored up.
1: We've got some areas of our lives that are pretty thin soil. I mean, if they haven't gone all the way to a parking lot, it's pretty packed down.
0: And then there's other areas of our life that are full of thorns. I mean, the soil may be good, but man, we've got a lot of care in there. We've got a lot of care with
1: other stuff. And there are areas in our
0: life that are good soil. You're here this morning. you got some good soil in there. None of us is all of one of those things, right? But But our job... I heard it, I heard a guy who's much wiser in farming. I asked him one time, I said, well, what do you farm? And he said, he said, I farm soil. I farm
1: microbes, bacteria.
0: He goes, yeah, he goes, that's what, that's the only thing I can farm is the dirt. He goes, everything that comes out of the dirt, that, that's not me. I'm not making that grow the seed grows there the only thing I can farm that I can take care of that I have influence on is the, is the soil and if there is a better metaphor for what we're supposed to do as the church I don't know what it is in our practices at Grace Church when we talk about the, that we practice church and that we are practicing the practices of church The boring, the mundane, the regular, you get up, you get dressed, you come on a Sunday morning, every Sunday, whether you feel like it or you don't feel like it, whether you get anything out of it or you don't, it's a practice, you're cultivating soil. Whether you're doing your own devotions, what you read, what you watch, who you relate to, how you spend your money, who you give to, who you don't give to, how you respond to people online or offline, in person. How you vote, where you live, what you buy, all of that is a practice. all of that is a continual cultivation of the soil of our lives and it 's either producing one of four types of soil it 's either really working and nurturing good soil where a lot of fruit is going to come, or rather we 're paving over it we 're just paving over it we 're actually intentionally hardening soil in our lives. Or maybe we're just neglecting it and it becomes thin and shallow. Or maybe we we like that soil, but we're also cultivating all these other practices. And that's sowing these, or allowing these seeds of weeds to come in, tares, thorns to come in and choke out the good word. It's not a question of are are we going to do these things. The question is how are we doing them? Because we all are doing these things all the time. We're all
1: practicing something. What
0: are we practicing? How are we developing this? Now this brings us one one thing I do want to uh, address in here that we talked a lot about the teaching team. Is there seems to be this warning here where Jesus quotes Isaiah when he says, uh, so that they may look. So although they look, they may look at but not see. And although they hear, they hear but may not understand. So they may not repent and be forgiven. And this brought up a lot of discussion because this is an echo of Isaiah, but it's also an ex- ex- uh, echo of Exodus when God it says God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And there's a couple of reasons I think Jesus puts this in here with this like this one is definitely as an echo to those things
1: with that he's saying look this is serious
0: there are serious consequences here with this but while many of interpreters have taken this as a as a as a proof text for either predestination or free will right like god predestines some to be hard hearted and chooses others to receive it and everything i think that really misses the point here
1: Have you ever had that friend that you really
0: want to involve, and so you invite them to stuff? Like, hey, can you come over? Hey, let's do dinner. Hey, we're, we're going on this trip, or we're doing this thing, right? And you ask them, and they're like, oh, yeah, I'd love to do that. And then at the
1: last minute, man, they can't do it. And you ask
0: again, and then it starts to kind of become awkward because you've asked so many times and and then they've responded and, the, and they've come up and they've said no I can't do that or I I can't do that I mean it it and you get the feeling that if I ask again I'm going to break the relationship like because they'll start to feel guilty they'll start to feel like a disappointment or shamed with this thing that actually that the the invitation creates further distance in the relationship rather than closeness, rather than the thing that you're invited to do. Anybody else had that experience? Else do that? Like, And it's super, it's super awkward to know how to navigate that, right? Like with that, because that's not what you want. By, by asking this person, by inviting this person, you're not trying to push them away. You're not trying to make them feel bad. But that's, in
1: effect, what happens. Now let's think about this for a minute. Jesus is clearly saying that God doesn't care. God is throwing this seed. He's throwing these these invitations
0: everywhere. Hard ground, shallow ground, thorny ground, good ground. That God is not stingy
1: with the invitation. That God is not this strict, um,
0: precision farmer who's only going to give the the seed to the the ground that's going to produce fruit. And that God has judged all these other soils. Well, hey, why waste my seed on that? Why waste my word on that? Why waste my grace on this? No, what we're seeing is that God is almost just irresponsibly generous with grace. Like much more generous with grace than I am. That God is, is just continually throwing out these opportunities, throwing out his love, throwing out his grace, throwing out his word, throwing out his invitation everywhere. It's almost like he doesn't care. It's almost like he's got an endless supply or something of this thing. And God is just, just we're awash in it as a society. We're awash in it as people. No matter how many times we turn down the invitation, the next day, there he is knocking at the door. No matter how many times we, we've screwed it up, it doesn't matter. Next day, there it is. There's more grace. It doesn't matter how many times we've said, just stop, just stop. I don't want anymore. There it is with more grace. Yeah.
1: And as incredible as it is, as miraculous
0: as it is, because of our brokenness, sometimes we, we just allow that to harden our hearts. The effect, as unintended as it is, leads us to
1: being blind and deaf and dumb.
0: The very thing that's designed to reconcile us, the very thing that's there every day in every way, in every moment, if we have eyes to see and ears to hear, then it surrounds us, becomes the thing that blinds us.
1: It's not the absence of God that leads us away, it is the
0: manifest presence of God. It is the continual offering of grace and love and acceptance and inclusion
1: that for some of us blinds us to it. And we act as if it's not there at all.
0: When the reality is it's our lives that have become blind. It's our hearts to become hard to move. Choked out with other cares. We can't see. So don't let anybody ever use the scripture to justify that somehow God has done that thing as if God has intended for that to happen.
1: I don't believe that's ever been, is, or will be God's intention. But in a way, it is God. It is
0: that relentless, pervasive, all-encompassing, generous sowing of the seeds of grace and love that for some of us, and at some times in our lives and at some points in our lives, actually hardens us to
1: it. So this brings us back to So what do we do? Where do we go from here? Well, we tend to the soil. It's the only thing we can do. We can't say, hey, God, plant your seed in this part of my life and not in this part. It's not our call. We can't even say what kind of seed we
0: want, right? Like where we need it, No, it's God. God's sowing. Okay. We sure can't make it grow. We can't just take the seed and put it in our pocket and say, well, that's going to grow big. No, it's got, got to go in the soil, right? With that. Tend to the soil. That's what we do. That's what we, it's the only thing we can do. Ask the worship team to come up, all five strings of them. Um, with that guitar. Are you ready, Alex? Okay. Um, Emily Dickinson has this incredible poem called Tell It Slant. Anybody ever heard Dickinson's Tell It Slant? She says, tell all truth, but tell it slant. Success in circuit lies. Too bright for our infirm delight, the truth's superb surprise. As lightning to the children eased with explanation kind, the truth must dazzle gradually or every man be blind. Parables are the truth told slant.
1: All the information we need is there. It's just
0: told slant. So it gets around our cognitive biases, our collective roadblocks with that. I also want to say one final thing. And again, I want to allude to that time that this week and all the emotions that it's brought up and the the serious challenges that we have as a society that we're facing with this.
1: Don't don't let
0: the mistakes of others, especially those who claim to be followers of Jesus, don't let their egregious errors or mistakes or misguided affections, or misapplication of Scripture, just their own blindness and harmful behavior, don't let that distract you from following Jesus yourself. There's going to be a lot of people increasingly claiming that they are acting because God has told them to act in a certain way. And yet that action is going to contradict everything you think and believe about Jesus. Don't let that distract you from your own walk. Don't let that keep you from pursuing Jesus with this. There's a lot of hard soil out there, y'all. There's a lot of thorny soil. There's a lot of thin soil. Tend to your heart. Tend to your own soil. Individually and collectively. Collectively. That's one of the reasons we practice hospitality the way that we do here, inclusion the way that we do here. So we see that, that the gospel is, is just this crazy, generous thing spread. Who are we to limit that from anybody? Who are we as a church to say, no, sorry, we've got it, but that's not for you? What an utter misreading. Again, i got to watch my words. What, a, what an utter misreading of this, the text, the scripture here, right? And that's why we practice this table, this open communion. Like if you, if you want Jesus, Jesus is here. Come and get him with it. Um, and like I said earlier also, if you have something you need to say, something you need to pray, find someone. Find me. Find someone here you trust. Use this time for that. And uh, we'll take some time to, to share communion, share our offering, reflect on this, and then we'll give a benediction, and we'll be free for the day. So thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. You can find more about us online at gracechurchmwa.org. Grace and peace.